slides it out for Ekblad. Back to Hoffman, blocked by Polak and Rice! Another spectacular stop! Broussard tees it up, and a save is made by Bobrovsky. Nelson, Marcel with the open net, and he scores! Hi, and welcome to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm your host, Gil Martin. I'm an Islanders columnist and historian, and I wrote the book Ice Wars, which covers the complete history of the Islanders' rivalry with the Rangers from 1972 to the modern era. All right, happy hump day, everybody. It's the Wednesday edition of the Locked On Islanders podcast. And, well, look, guys, sometimes your team just lays an egg. And that's what happened last night to the Islanders at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. A discouraging 8-3 to defeat at the hands of the Nashville Predators after holding a 3-1 to lead in the second period, and then the Islanders proceed to give up seven unanswered goals. Uh, we will break down this game, talk about it, and try to figure out what went wrong, but uh, just a lot of things is, is really the answer when you think about it. We've got a lot to talk about besides that on today's show. It's Wednesday. So we have our weekly farm report with all the goings-on in and around Bridgeport for the Sound Tigers. And of course, we'll have this date in Islanders history. And we'll start to look ahead to the Islanders game Thursday in Boston uh, and talk a little bit about the latest news about Joshua Hosang. So lots on our plate here, but we have to start with last night's ugly, ugly performance at the Coliseum. And look, you go into this game and you just had to figure that the Islanders had everything going their way. They were on a 13-game home point-scoring streak, a 12-0-1 mark over that time period. Nashville is coming into the Coliseum fresh off a game just last night against the Rangers. So the Islanders were rested not having played in a couple of days. Nashville playing second game of a back-to-back. You're at home. You're in front of the home crowd. And the Islanders actually did come out and play pretty well early on, but it didn't last all that long. Quickly, the Predators end up with the lead at the 439 mark of the first period. And it sort of went downhill from there. Let's talk about that. Craig Smith gets the goal on a nice wrist shot at 439 that beat Tomas Grice. Nick Benino, the only assist, and it was 1-0 Nashville. And, you know, the Islanders didn't play a bad first period, all things considered. They had a power play midway through as Forsberg was called for holding, but... The Islanders not able to connect. They had some good scoring chances on that man advantage, but, you know, near misses don't count when it comes to the NHL. You know, almost scoring a goal is encouraging sometimes, frustrating at others, but at the end of the day, 
the Islanders unable to convert on the power play. Ross Johnston had a good scoring chance uh, later on in the period, but he ended up hitting the crossbar, and it was just sort of that kind of a day for the Islanders. Islanders outshot the Preds in the first period 12-6, to did have the better of the play, and you you know, you weren't too worried after 20 minutes, all things considered, but it was one nothing Nashville. But in the second period, you know, Barry Trotz trying to get something going, juggles his lines. It doesn't take long. Brock Nelson was being double-shifted early on, and he ties the game on an odd man rush with Anders Lee. It's an unassisted goal at 2.55 of the second period, and the game is all even at one apiece. Then, Derek Brassard on the power play at 4.43. He scores Bavillier and Pulak with the assists, and it's a 2-1 to Islanders lead Brassard, his eighth. Then the Islanders go shorthanded, and it's Casey Sezikis' turn. Mayfield finds Sezikis. He has Clutterbuck with him on a break-in, and voila, Sezikis manages to beat Pecorine, scores his fifth goal of the year, shorthanded, from Scott Mayfield. Time of the goal, 8-11, and here we are, midway through the hockey game, practically, and it's 3-1 Islanders. Islanders have scored three goals in less than six minutes, and they have the momentum, they just got a shorty, and you think everything is going really well. That is until, basically, the roof started to cave in. On that same power play for Nashville, Philip Forsberg with a quick release. He scores his 12th goal on a play that it looked like Grice was kind of screened on, didn't make much of a reaction. Matthias Ekholm and Craig Smith with the helpers, and it's a 3-2 game just 27 seconds after Sezikis' goal. Then, Craig Smith with his second goal of the game at 10:58 ties it. Kyle Turris and Matt Irwin with the helpers on that one, and all of a sudden, all of a sudden, it's a 3-3 hockey game. Didn't stay that way for too long, though. Late in the period, Nashville takes a 4-3 lead as Nick Benino scores from Matthias Ekholm at 18-24, and that makes it 4-3 in favor of Nashville. And look, you got three straight goals for Nashville. They've got the momentum. The Islanders are sort of back on their heels. But if you can come out of you know, this game, after 40 minutes down, just one goal, the third period you can regroup, and it would make sense that the Islanders would still be in this game. But, it doesn't work that way. Now, Benino's goal was a deflection. Can't say you blame Grice, but then Grice gives up what I consider a bad goal, and a key goal with just 48 seconds left in the second period. And again, those goals in the final minute of a period can really be momentum changers. And being down 5-3 was a big difference. 
than being down 4-3 would have been. It was Rocco Grimaldi beating Grice to the short side. Forsberg gets the lone assist, and that was sort of the backbreaker. 5-3 after two periods. Islanders still out shooting the Predators 23-15, but the fans at the Coliseum, you know, not a lot of boos, but you could hear the boos showering down on the Islanders, and understandably so. Into the third period we go, and Simeon Varlamov comes on to replace Tomas Grice, and, and I understand why that move was made under the circumstances. So, Trotz makes the change, down 5-3, you think you're still in this hockey game, but uh, we'll see what happened in the third period. We're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll have the third period analysis. We've got the farm report. We've got this date in Islanders history and an update on Joshua Hosang. Stay with us. More to talk about on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so the Islanders get off to a, a fairly decent start in the third period. In fact, they don't allow a shot on goal for the first eight minutes and 59 seconds of that period, but the first shot by the Predators on goal on Simeon Varlamov goes in. Kelly Yarncrock, his 12th from Ryan Johansson and Yakov Trinin, and it was a 6-3 game. Then on the power play, Roman Yossi adds to the lead at 11:36. Ellis and Yarncrock get the assists, and then Ryan Johansson puts the proverbial cherry on the Sunday if you're a Predators fan with a goal at 14.08 with Ellis and Yossi with the assists. And at the end of the day, the Islanders give up a season-high eight goals against and lose this one 8-3. to three. Seven unanswered goals scored in the last 32 minutes of this hockey game by the Nashville Predators. An overall poor effort by the New York Islanders. The numbers, and we'll talk a little bit about them, they are ugly. Uh, No matter how you slice it, they are ugly. Grice gives up five goals and 15 shots. That's a 667 save percentage. But Varlamov did no better. Gives up, you know, three goals and nine shots. An identical save percentage of 667. A lot of players in this game were in the minuses, but uh, Devontae's leading the way, quote-unquote, with a minus three uh, on defense. He had a rough game. Michael Dalcole and Noah Dobson were the scratches, and they were probably better off than most uh, in this game. So many of the Islanders' forwards were minus two. We'll tick them off. Barzal, Sezikis. Clutterbuck, Bailey, Matt Martin, Ross Johnston, all minus two in this game. You want some bright spots. Brock Nelson winning uh, 11 out of 15 face-offs. That's uh, one of the lone bright spots for the Islanders. Uh, And nine hits for Matt Martin in 10 minutes and 11 seconds of ice time. But... Other than that, not a lot of nice takeaways for the Islanders in this one. And if you look at the shot chart, it's amazing because the Islanders outshoot 
the Predators for the game. They had a lot of good chances and quality chances, but here's the thing. Nashville, seven of their eight goals came from the bottom of the circles, the slot area, just outside the crease. They got the dirty goals. They outworked the Islanders uh, down low and made it count, and that is why they emerged with the win. Now, Barry Trotz, got to give him credit. And here's why. You know, late in the game, we had a little, uh, you know, let's say an incident, a couple of incidents. Ross Johnston gets a charging call, then a misconduct penalty. Scott Mayfield, 30 seconds later, two for, uh, uh, four for roughing, excuse me, and a 10-minute misconduct Craig Smith got two for roughing in a 10-minute misconduct. It got ugly. And the thing that Barry Trotz talked about after the game, and I like this psychologically speaking, he praised his players' efforts that even down five goals with just a couple of minutes left in the game, the Islanders are shorthanded, and he said, hey, our guys out there on the ice, and I think Sezikis was probably the most prominent among them, our guys were out there hustling, our guys were uh, getting the job done and, and giving a full effort on that penalty kill, even in the last couple of minutes of this game, down five goals. That's the kind of thing that sort of helps your team psychologically after an absolute disaster of a game like this one. And Look, let's face facts. The Islanders have not played too many games like this this season. They had a decent first period, pretty good first period, and a good half of the second period. But from the midway point of the second period on, this was not a performance worthy of an NHL team and certainly not a performance you expect from the Islanders this year from a Barry Trotz coached team to give up seven goals in a period and a half and just look sloppy and uninspired and to allow the opponent to have that many quality chances, you know, down low, just atypical of what you expect from this team. And if I'm Barry Trotz, I don't know how much time I'm really going to spend looking, you know, showing the players the film from this game. This is the kind of game where you just say, you know what? We were awful. We just didn't have it tonight. Let's turn the page. Let's get ready for Boston. We we have a day off, and then we go to Boston, and, you know, Thursday night we play a very good Bruins team. Let's get ready to do that and, you know, just forget about this despicable performance that we put on today against the Nashville Predators. All right, if you want to be a part of this show, if you got something to say about the Islanders' poor performance against the Predators or anything else that's going on, you have a topic you want to discuss with us, you can email the show, the email address, LockedOnIslanders at gmail.com. You could also follow the show on Twitter, at LockedOnIsles, and you could follow me, Gil Martin, on Twitter, at IceWars, N-Y-R-V-S-N-Y-I. So... 
We've got a lot to talk about. Also, please, uh, if you're listening and you like the show, leave us a good review on your podcatcher of choice. That helps other Islander fans find the podcast more easily. All right, we're going to take a little break. When we come back, we'll talk a little bit about Joshua Hosang. We've got the Farm Report, and we've got this date in Islanders history. So lots to talk about on today's show. We'll be right back with more on the Locked On Islanders podcast. All right, so some news coming out of Bridgeport, really, and that is that Joshua Hosang, the Islanders' uh, forward, very talented, former first-round pick, uh, great offensive talent, but inconsistent performance in his own zone, and that probably wouldn't make him a favorite of Barry Trotz and Lou Lamorello's, but he announces that he is returning to the Islanders' organization, He had been demanding a trade, had not reported to Bridgeport after he was sent down after training camp. Well, now he's back, and he will be playing for the Sound Tigers shortly. They're going to see what kind of shape he's in. He may need some time to get himself back into shape, but I think that's good news, and here's the thing. We talked on yesterday's show that the Islanders definitely need some uh, goal-scoring help And maybe, just maybe, Joshua Hosang, if he gets himself into shape and is willing to make the sacrifices that Barry Trotz requires of his team and his players in all three zones, if he's willing to play that style, he may be someone who can internally help the Islanders up their goal-scoring performance. We talked a little bit yesterday uh, on the show about Ilya Kovalchuk, he cleared waivers. The Kings waived him. He cleared waivers. Anyone can sign him right now uh, to any kind of deal. I just don't think, like I said yesterday, that he would be a good fit for the Islanders right now. All right, this date in Islanders history will take you back to December 18th, 1984 at the Nassau Veterans Memorial Coliseum. The original Winnipeg Jets come into town in a physical, crazy hockey game. Winnipeg takes the lead 5-14 into the first period as Morris Lukowicz scores his fourth from Andrew McBain. Then the Islanders get going. John Tonelli, his 18th from Bob Bourne and Dennis Potvin. Then Tomas Steen scores for Winnipeg 25 seconds later, his 10th from Doug Smale. And it's a 2-1 Winnipeg lead. Tonelli strikes again his second goal of the game, 19th of the season. Again, Bob Bourne with a helper. And after one period, the game was all even at two apiece. In the second period, all kinds of rough stuff. Uh, Billy Smith and Paul McClain go at each other. They both get slashing penalties. Then... We get Brian Trottier and Perry Turnbull and Randy Carlisle and Dwayne Sutter and all kinds of rough stuff going on in in the first half of that second period. Finally, at 9-10 of the second period, John Tonelli on the power play. His third goal of the game, completing the hat trick. Dennis Potvin with another assist, and the Islanders led 3-2. They added second period goals by Bob Bourne and Greg Gilbert. The Bourne goal assisted by Brent Sutter and Stefan Pearson, and the Gilbert goal assisted by Dwayne Sutter and Pat LaFontaine, and the Islanders suddenly had a 5-2 win, a lead 
after 40 minutes in the third period, Gilbert scores unassisted his sixth at 5.01. Then LaFontaine adds his eighth goal of the year from Gilbert at 8.05. Winnipeg gets a couple of late goals, one by Tomas Steen on the power play from Dale Howarchuk and Randy Carlisle. And then Dave Babich scores with four seconds left in the game to make the final score. Islanders 7, Winnipeg Jets 4. Mark Berend was the Jets goalie giving up all seven goals. A goal and two assists for Bourne, two goals and one assist for Gilbert, two assists for Dennis Potvan, a goal and an assist for LaFontaine. But the offensive star of this game, John Tanelli, with the hat trick in five shots, and Billy Smith made 30 saves to earn the victory. That took place on this date in Islanders history, December 18th. 1984. All right, now we go to the farm report. We'll talk a little bit about what's going on in Bridgeport. First of all, Oliver Wallstrom, who is with Bridgeport right now, has been named to the preliminary roster for Team USA at the World Juniors. That's coming up next week, so we'll keep an eye on that and see whether or not Wallstrom makes the team again this year. For Bridgeport, a mixed bag of a weekend. They had a 4-3 win Friday at the Utica Comets. Utica outshot the Sound Tigers 34-23, but John Stevens scored twice. Kiefer Bellows got his fifth goal in seven games, and uh, basically Travis St. Denis, a power play goal to close out the scoring, and that ended in 0-32 for power play drought for the Sound Tigers. Jared Corot with 31 saves to earn the win, and Nick Schielke has picked up an assist to extend his point scoring streak to four games. One night later, though, in Hershey against the Bears, the Sound Tigers dropped a game 5-2. to two. Kiefer Bellows scored one of the two goals for the Sound Tigers. That gives him a goal in three straight games. And Andrew Ladd got the other goal. Jeff Kubiak had two assists for Bridgeport, but here's the problem. 0 for 6 on the power play. This power play slump really hurting Bridgeport at this point in time, and we'll see whether or not they're able to get out of it. Now, three games coming up for the Sound Tigers before the holiday break. They actually play tonight, Wednesday night, at home hosting the Syracuse Crunch. That's a 7 o'clock face-off in Bridgeport. And then they go on the road Friday. That's December 20th to Springfield to take on the Thunderbirds. That's a 7.05 start. And then Saturday, they will host the Wilkes-Barre-Scranton Penguins at 7 o'clock. That one at Bridgeport. So three games this week for the Sound Tigers before they get the holiday week off. So, look, at least Kiefer uh, Bellows is starting to come around and also encouraging to see Ladd uh, get a goal. The power play, though, boy, Bridgeport has really got to straighten that out. They've got three games this week uh, with a chance to do that, and we'll certainly report back on that next week. All right, that's going to do it for us here on the show. I'm Gil Martin, your host. I want to thank you for listening. As always, 
to the Locked On Islanders podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.